check one one two one two one two one two one two check one two rock your body mic check one two three four five that's i okay. don't know what the words are after that after rock your body mic check one two something something, something, something rhythm do, do, do. rhythm and blues probably i i always just kind of roll my loll my tongue in my mouth a few times a bit like a shaggy lyric <laughs> this is not the dream job this is reality i am an actor the best word i can say but uh, will describe this was boom and i think that you are an ostrich well your head must be in the sand but premier league is a fraud ferret head it looks like a ferret, doesn't it? It's fun, is that? It's the second time it's gone off. Hello and welcome to the Balls.E football show. That's a football show here on Balls.E, brought to you in association with Labrokes. My name is Gavin Casey. Mr. Cooney, how are you? I'm good, Gav. I'm, I'm a little bit distracted, I have to say. You you uh, seem to be there, Gav. You've uh, got I've some sort of uh, our, scriptures um, in front of yes, you there. Yes, our, our literature. S- our esteemed uh, chief executive Brian Reynolds uh, belatedly uh, brought in our, our Christmas bonus today, oh, uh, right. and I'm sitting here with it in front of me. Uh, it is the December 1994 Christmas special edition of the official Manchester United magazine. Uh, well, this is a surprise. I have um, to say, it is an absolute treasure, uh, and I'm going uh, to now read. Uh, a couple of the highlights in it. I, actually, before I should do that, you should probably tell the people that there is actually more than just this coming up on the show. <laughs> no, no, it's just this today, lads. So uh, strap in. We are going to go through the December 94 edition of United Magazine for the next 40 or so minutes. <laughs> we'll read it cover to cover and then backwards. Coming up on today's show, apart from that trip down memory lane to a time when Gavin, I actually can't remember uh, because we're so youthful. Yeah. Uh, we also have Alexander Stretcher, the Austrian journalist who joined us for the Vienna leg of this... Friend of the site. Yeah, friend of the site. Friend of you, Gav, yeah, I believe. Yeah, my mate. We're going, uh, we're going, uh, we're going for a pint on, on Friday when he gets in. Can't wait for uh, that. I my mean, my own be... football friend. Uh, he wants to write something about uh, Gaelic football and hurling in Ireland. Um, so and so he turned uh, to... He selected me. A so, man from Longford. Um, yes, I know. Um, uh, that's... Uh, I mean, we can we still read about it, you know. We uh, we get the literature. You consume it for sure. We get the literature in our part of the word. You consume it. Um, um, so, but no, I've been chosen Nicky Burnstall to bring the uh, the good, the will, and the opinion of the Irish people and carry it across the continent. Incredible. So, if you're uh, if you are reading uh, Courier.net, uh, in which I, I know some people uh, doubtless are at some stage next week, uh, you will see me. Hopefully. Will they see you? Uh, sorry, you will. Is I'd, he taking I'd, pictures of you while uh, you're having points as well? Actually, I don't know. Maybe not. But you will see my words there. I want to uh, see a so GAA profile that. on an Austrian publication with your face. Like, no <laughs> pictures of the actual GAA. <laughs> the face of Ga. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, by the, by the fact that we have Alexander on the show, we are looking forward predominantly to Ireland and Austria at the weekend. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that game. Am I? Eh... Uh, yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be, it'll join the ranks as one of the one-all draws that we've had. Uh, well, that leads us years. on to uh, a, another segment of the show, Gav, because we will also have our Ladbrokes Bet of the Week. Yes, which is yours, and you said evening. you weren't going to give it away, but I think you just have. No, no, I'm okay. not going for one-all. Okay, I'm not really? going for one-all. Okay, so uh, that will be coming up, and uh, then we're wrapping for the season. So it. It, it, you know, we'll take the summer off. I'm sure there'll be some sort of pre-season do, uh, possibly. Uh, well, we used to do it with the fantasy podcast, so I suppose we'll, we'll get one in, in August or whatever. Ah, yeah. You know, we'll be back again. Oh, we'll be back. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Didn't get it. It was that easy. Um, but uh, listen, let's kick off with this United stuff. I mean, yeah. uh, the tension here is killing me. Uh, I suppose I'm allowed to say just this once that I am a Manchester United fan. So this uh, this should be really interesting. And I am um, but a fan of nostalgia, Gav. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna skip through some of my uh, favorite parts of this magazine. It's, uh, it is magnificent. Okay. Um, I would say available on all good news agents, but it's not. Mm. Uh, it, if it, it is a good news agent, uh, it does no longer stock uh, this 22-year-old magazine. Um, there's quite there's quite a good letters section where United fans write in to offer advice to Alex Ferguson. So you know, I mean, with with uh, to quote John Giles with the Twitter business and, mm, and the rise yeah. of social media. Um, the assumption was, where have all these ridiculously irrational and angry fans come from? Yeah. Uh, they once populated the pages of Manchester United's official magazine, 
Um, Particularly around Christmas time, going uh, daft. Under the subheading, out of order, uh, Dear Right Back, which is the uh, W-R-I-T-E-B-A-C-K. I see. Um, which is the section, the pertinent section of the magazine. Why doesn't Alex Ferguson sell Ryan Giggs? AC Milan have been trading Giggsy for some time now. So when, so when they're knocking on Man United's door with 15 or 16 million pound offers, United should take it and use the money to bring on more younger and more promising players. I would love to see Steve McManaman pri- prized away from Liverpool. Jesus Christ. Or perhaps Jason Wilcox pinched from Blackburn. <laughs> Ruel Fox might also be a good investment. Anyway, back to <laughs> Ruel Fox. Anyway, back to Giggsy. Uh, he really hasn't been on good form lately, while Lee Sharp has proved himself to be on the top of his game. Watching his excellent performance against Barcelona, I'm surprised that no other club has offered us fifteen pounds for him yet. <laughs> Maybe he needs fifteen million. And um, most other fans argue that we shouldn't sell Giggsy because he's the new George Best or something. I just don't think this is true. He has about as much potential as the Tottenham defence has of keeping a clean sheet. So come on, Fergie, sell gigs. From Chris Greengow in Blackpool. Believe it or not, they're a Man United fan, not in Manchester. Um, Chris what? Green? Uh, Chris Greenough, Greenough, G-R-W-N-O-U-G-H. Okay, interesting. Um, I mean, obviously wrong in, you know, more ways than you could possibly describe. The reason this is called Right Back is because the editor of the magazine writes back. So there's a little comment uh, is it not uh, beneath this diatribe uh, we assume this. we're not sure if this is ghosted from the uh, from the mouth of Alex Ferguson or not uh, we don't think so because it's, it's slightly more kind to this moronic reader than Ferguson would have been uh, we're sorry Chris but we have nothing but outrage for your views uh, Ryan's only 20 and he's already proved himself a world class player a small Ooh. spate of injuries is no reason to slag off one of our greatest assets uh, I don't I mean wow look at it's it's six and one half dozen the other there. I, like a, Giggs was undoubtedly a, an extremely talented, prodigious talent at the age of twenty. Mm. Uh, to describe him as world class is a little bit, I would say, gratuitous. Uh, but you know, history was was kind to Ryan Giggs in some ways, and, and less kind to uh, Rural Fox and Jason Wilcox. Yeah, less kind um, to Rory Giggs as well. I'd suggest. Um, but, uh, you know, the way that transpired in terms of Giggs's career, uh, you know, whatever your man's name there, Green. Yeah, Chris. Off. We'll just call him Chris. Chris, for the for argument's um, sake. Yeah, he botched that one. He, he botched did. it. I, I mean, where is he now? You know what? That's what I want <laughs> to know. know. Where, I mean, there is. Can we do a post on this? Like, where are they now? I Chris mean, Green off. Yeah, I mean, the, like this is going to sound like a bit of an Alan Partridge thing, but like he could be dead. I mean, in the no, no, there's a huge chance. Uh, look, <laughs> like I mean, if nature uh, chooses the weakest to to kill <laughs> off, there's every chance Chris is no longer with us, and we'd like to wish our sincere. <laughs> Condolences to the Greenough slash Greenough family in Blackpool. Um, we are sorry for your loss, <laughs> although I think we are the better for it. Uh, there's also a wonderful section called Q&A. Uh, so if something is bugging you, maybe another red out there can help. Settle your bets, sleep easier nights, send your queries and answers to Q&A. Uh, so here's a couple of the questions that work their way into the Q&A section of this well, magazine. How, how does this, sorry to cut across you there, Gav, but how does this differentiate from right back? Isn't that in itself a Q&A section? Uh, yes, I don't really know. I think that the right back is more for to give your general views on Manchester United, where this is more um, An actual question. random and strangely uh, health-based. Okay. Uh, dear Q&A, I am a diabetic and I would like to know if any of United's players also suffer from the affliction. I know Gary Mabust is... is <laughs> diabetic. Uh, does anyone else have this problem for a man called Camus in County Londonderry? Camus? Camus. Now, I think that was meant to be Seamus, to be honest. Uh, yeah, Although, so that's, that's a hand... Oh, my God, you know what that is? I know, actually, It's a I handwritten know. letter, because yeah. they didn't have emails at that point. Yeah. So, the K, he's written an S. Mm. They've taken it for a, a K. What I'm very interested by, and I think you're, you possibly know what I'm going to say here. I think I do, yeah. The fact that his name is Seamus, and he says County Londonderry. So, he or, might have changed it. I'm thinking uh, that... The he, Q&A editor has changed this to Londonderry from I Derry, mean, presumably. that's... Um, Bloody hell. I mean, that's, that's made me see the editors of this f- once fine magazine yeah, <laughs> in a well, very poor life. Of course, uh, you know, Mancunian Irish relations in the mid-90s did uh, take a bit of a turn for the worse. So you know, maybe there were tensions existing before that. He, uh, he did write, the editor write, writes back here to say, sorry to hear it, Camus, uh, but to our knowledge, none of the United players are diabetic. And there is one other that's creepy <laughs> letter. Uh, dear Q&A, I'm writing to you because I have a rather novel plan. If I were to send a friendship bracelet to Lee Sharp... Do you think he would wear it from Paula in Cornwall? 
the response is Lee is rather partial to jewellery, Paula, although he never wears anything too fancy. And Lee is a very friendly chap who always welcomes another person's friendship. So maybe give it a whirl. Well, this is actually, I mean, that's strictly untrue, the fact that he doesn't wear anything fancy. Mm. Lee Sharp famously goaded Roy Keane into a jewellers in Manchester soon after Keane had signed with the club. And he tempted or convinced Roy Keane to buy a watch, which Keane believed to be priced at £1,000. And Keane was thinking, this is all in his first autobiography, by the way. And Keane is thinking, Christ, like, can I part with a grand for a watch? Am I turning into one of those clowns, you know? (laughs) And uh, and Shark goes, go on, Keen, or go on, buy it. And Keen goes up to pay for the watch. He'd read the price tag wrong, and it was ten grand. <laughs> oh god! So and like Lee Sharp was big into materialistic mm. things. So I, uh, yeah, I would I would question the question and answers editor, his answer there yeah. to be on, or her answer there to be honest because uh, Lee Sharp absolutely wore fancy jewelry. In fact, I would say he turned his nose up at a friendship br- bracelet due to it being largely worthless. Um. That's one thing you wouldn't expect Roy Keane to be involved in. Here's another thing. You wouldn't imagine that Roy Keane is a big fantasy football player, would you? No, I would not. Oh, I have news for you, Gav Casey. Uh, The United Fantasy League Players League has a team called Haircut 100s, managed by a certain Roy Keane, fifth from bottom, halfway through the fantasy league season. But he's probably only just after taking over there, and he'll steer them up to the top of the table in his first season and then leave acrimoniously the following Um, year. Brian Kidd's Fergie's fledglings are top of the league with 46 points. Two points clear of Jim Ryan's perfidious Albion with Pally's Easy Riders, managed by Gary Pallister, in third place. Wow. Um, Other outstanding names. Eric Harrison called them the winners, which is a little bit depressing. It's outstanding in the wrong way. Um, Steve Bruce, uh, noted penman, has called his team Herbert's FC. Um, Nicky Butt's team is called Butty. uh, And... uh, Dion Dublin's is called Horn Section. What? Uh, well, Dion Dublin is a big musician, isn't he? He is. He, <laughs> he is, had yeah. a musical instrument named Massively after him. Into brass, something. brass and, instruments, uh, by all accounts. And he had, he, has a, he had a Christmas album out a couple of years ago. Um, Mark Hughes' team is called Foo Foo United. Um, Foo Foo? Yeah. Brian Robson's Gasworks 11. Eric Canton is third from bottom on S.O. Kaios. Kalos. I don't know what it means. Uh, and second from bottom is poor Dennis Irwin. Um, the Quiet Men. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that is the most um, Ryan, perfect. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Giggsy Giggs, by the way, is bottom. The Swinton Rappers had minus eighty three points. Apparently, well, I don't know how that uh, works. Sorry, I've only realised that. Um, Roy Keane's on minus thirty five points, which you have to say can't seem can't seem being too delighted about that. No, uh, I don't like. I mean, we don't know how fantasy rules have changed over the years. I guess it was a very different ball game back then. Game's gone now. Mm. You know that was that was peak. Uh, just a briefly, I don't want to labour this magazine too much, but it is an absolute joy, and I might be writing about this site pretty soon, as in immediately after this recording. Um, and red corner at the end is kind of a, le- a little like a fun a fun page with your quiz, and you've got your letters, and you've got like a hot and not hot section that, okay. the, that the Daily Mail have used of late. And there's also a very strange agony uncle section, oh, Jesus uh, where Christ. you write to Doctor Frank Needham. Uh, and here's one from a man called, or a woman, sorry, called Erica Intona. <laughs> Erica uh, Cantonina. <laughs> Erica Intona uh, from Il Fracom. Uh, Dear Dr. Frank, I need help. Most of the time I sleep soundly, but sometimes I dream that I am Eric Cantona. This does, n- this does not bother me too much. It's just when I spar- start speaking in French rhyming couplets and limping Alexandrines. Sometimes I do this when I am awake. Last week, my mother sent me to my room for it, and I stayed there sulking and reading Baudelaire and Rimbaud for hours. Can you help? That, Doctor. Uh, <laughs> i tell you who wrote that, Gav. Someone who's writing the magazine. <laughs> um, Dr. Frank writes back. Okay. Uh, ah, to sulk and read Rimba. Uh, to contemplate your spleen and speaking tongues. To alienate one's family with Gallic wrongheadedness. You're on the roads to glory, Erica. You must stick to your guns. Make no mistake. You are, Eric. Remember... Greatness can be a shadowy place, and some may not understand. Incidentally, the scent of your stationery moves me strangely. It does strike as a prequel to Finding Eric, mm. the film. I, yeah. I wonder, is that, you know, is that where the inspiration for that film came? I have from? a feeling that Eric Cantona wrote that. Where did the uh, yeah, when I'd Flann O'Brien had a had a column in the Irish Times, uh, Irish Times, I think he might have been Maz Nagopoulos then. He uh, he used to write letters criticizing his articles under false names. And that would appear in the Irish Times letter pages beside his why, column. Why did he do that? I don't know. Uh, you know, there is no accounting for literary genius. Is, it, is that his version of Michelangelo taking a little chip out of his, one of his statues 
uh, because it was too perfect. Plausibly. Wow. Plausibly. That's um, incredible. There is also a design your own ideal player section here. Uh, oh, not sure if this is going to make the edit. Um, <laughs> Kendall Howard. I mean, this is legitimately fucking mad. Uh, Kendall Howard of Fort William Inverness has come up with an interesting ideal player, Gavin. Okay. Uh, most people wouldn't think that a muffin would make an ideal head for a footballer. But to me, the muffin captures some of those essential red qualities. Freshness, Englishness, and a certain wonderful spongy quality. Uh, fair spongy? enough. Spongy? <laughs> yeah. How is England spongy? I don't know. And I think it's a, a, a like a red quality to so a Manchester oh, United. Quality. But how are quality? United spongy? I don't really know. That's uh, How is anything apart from a sponge or a cake spongy? <laughs> I don't know. That's a very strange way of, of describing anything, I would say. So Not least a footballer. There's a hideous Photoshop job uh, designing their own player. I'll tweet out a picture of it after the recording. Uh, it has a muffin head, <laughs> see left, uh, Kylie Minogue's eyes and glasses for vision and career strategy. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> Michael Caine's left arm for wit and deportment. Michael Caine. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's outstanding. Go on. No, no, I'm not. No. Like, just leaving the shaggy part from the start. Uh, the Paul Ince's torso for sheer guts. Gabriella San- Sabatini's right arm for strength and beauty. And the legs of a young boy for innocence and the promise of growing into greatness. That's one of the <laughs> creepiest things I've ever... We um, need to move away from this very, very quickly. Uh, can we, quite uh, fast. We will just end with uh, quite, quite fast a little now. note at the end of the designer on player that says, the views expressed in this red corner in no way, <laughs> in no way represent the views of Manchester United. Uh, Camille Paglia, the publisher, is dot, 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 or indeed anyone. Jesus. It's a truly outstanding magazine. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to say we're going to give it away to a listener, but we're not. We're not going to give it away. Not least because we've actually torn out a poster of Lee Sharp already. Yeah. And he is now uh, proudly being so exported on the office wall. I'll wrap this in 30 seconds. I want to finish with, um, there's a Christmas gift guide in the middle. Okay. Um, United are, off, are always selling tat. And it was the same in 1994. Uh, and among uh, the many things that they recommend as the perfect gift for the Manchester United fan of your life, Gav. A um, muffin? Is the no? It's the official Ryan Giggs nineteen ninety five calendar. It's three pounds ninety nine. Is it on sale because he's about to move to AC Milan? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's no rural fox calendar. Okay. Uh, taking on Cindy Crawford and take that and the pouting stakes. Ryan Giggs has puckered up with the best of them for this nineteen ninety five pin up calendar. Plenty of moody black and white shots of the man himself, togged up in designer gear from the likes of Duffer and Dolce Gabbana, lounging around the streets of Manchester, looking pretty damn cool. It's a class item. Definitely make makes Ryan this year's Premier Playmate. That's oh, I'm I'm speechless actually. Premier um, Playmate. Yeah. Was it like what the what's going on there? Um, let's uh, let's. Uh, I was excited about talking about that magazine. Yeah. It's taken a turn for the worst there towards the end. I think um, they said it couldn't be done. They said you couldn't get 15 minutes out of the official magazine uh, from Christmas 1994 of Manchester United. We showed them how it's done. Yeah, let's talk about Ireland and Austria before we <laughs> lose the run of ourselves here. You can really get this sense that this is an end-of-season show, Gav. Yeah, it's got, it's got that looseness. But there's very important business on the horizon. Unbelievably um, important. Sunday, June 11th. Sunday, June 11th, Austria yeah. are in town. We have a chance to secure our places for the World Cup or well, at least make now. things interesting. I do, yeah, I mean, like, everyone seems to be under the impression that if we win this game, we're there. Like, We're not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, what? We more or less are, you know? <laughs> no. Ireland are never more or less anywhere. I We're always like we always have to go to the last day. That's when we'll get our playoff spot. Like I mean, yeah, there's no way you can be you can beat Austria and be like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, we're there now. You still have to go to Cardiff, still have to play Serbia at home, and still have to go to Georgia. Yeah, there are three very difficult games like that you could conceivably drop six, seven points in. Right. Let's worry about our opinions on this in a few minutes. Let's hear first. Uh, from friend of the site and more important friend of myself uh, <laughs> Alexander Strecha the Austrian football journalist joined us again uh, to talk us through the rabble that Austria are at the moment and we're delighted to be joined in the Bulls Daddy Football Show by Austrian football journalist Alexander Strecha Alexander thanks for joining us again welcome Alexander what kind of shape are the Austrian team in ahead of this big qualifier in Dublin uh, I think that the Austrian team has uh the same problem uh, like that the uh, Irish, um, some personal problems. Uh, some key players are missing, like Marko Natovic from Stoke City. He's booked. And now uh, striker Mark Janko, he's ill. He won't play 
in Dublin. Then we have Savitzer, Chef injured, Ilsanka booked. So we we have some new faces in the starting eleven. It sounds like some very important players are missing there, Alexander. The Marko Arnautovic yeah. and Janko. They am I correct to say that they would be your best source of goals? Yes, uh, I would say that uh, Marko Arnautovic was uh, the key player in in the Austrian offense uh, the last uh, one year. He made really really good uh, games, and uh, you know. Um, Mark Janko is a striker. He, he scores wherever he plays, and um, that hurts. Uh, but uh, in, in, in his position will play, I think, uh, Guido Burgstaller from the German Bundesliga, Schalke 04. Mm. And uh, he had a, a tremendous season, scoring many goals. So perhaps it's his time, his show. I don't know. Yeah, what kind of challenge will Burgstaller bring up front? Is he a physical player? Is he is he small and pacey? What kind of player is he? He's very physical. He he runs a lot. He's uh, I think he's the 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 one the one and only in, in the Austrian team who could replace uh, Mark Janko from style. Mm-hmm. He's very strong. He's tall. Uh, has power. So I think. Uh, would be a good decision. Uh, instead, a little bit behind, you have Harnik or Junozovic who are very fast, uh, but they need space. And, and uh, yes, that's, that's the difference. I think that the Burgstaller is uh, the striker in front. Yeah. We have heard rumours, Alexander, of some unrest or trouble in the Austrian training camp. Are any of those rumours true? Um, I don't think so. Uh, in the in the training camp now, um, the training sessions were um, were with high intensity. They were very good, but uh, it's yes for sure. The Austrian team is not the same like it was in uh, the qualifier for the uh, Euro t- 2016. Um, there there has been a, a kind of separation into two groups and uh, yeah that depends on success and the last year we had no success not like expected and so it's it's clear that you have rumors and uh, that something went wrong in the past yeah. I think that's normal when you say the the camp has been separated into two groups what do you mean by that Alexander yeah. Uh, well, there, there, there is uh, one group with Alaba and Autovic and so on, and other other key players. Then it's uh, the older ones like uh, Mark Janko or uh, the captain Julian Baumgartlinger. And uh, I think that during the the Euro in France, there was you you can you could see a kind of a separation. Mm. But uh, that's that what uh, uh, Marcel Koller, the coach, said. Now we have we need a team spirit. Yeah. And I I think that uh, the last week they're working on that, and on Sunday we will see if if it worked fine or not. Because w- one thing is clear: Austria needs the three points. Although Koller uh, said that one point could be enough. But uh, as a coach, you, he can't say yeah. that's not enough. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, but it's it's uh, the worst case for Austria, a draw. Because, uh, yeah, you you're not out of the race, but you you don't have any chance left. You're not I really think. in it. And w- just to briefly no. bring you back to something you said about the older players like Alaba and Janko, are they almost running the team by themselves, and they don't have the true respect of the manager? Is that is that the problem? Uh, no, the, the the key players, the older ones, they have, have uh, much respect. But I think that uh, in the in the qualifier for the Euro, everything, everything uh, was on the way, and they they had one one win after the after another, and and so everything was easy. Mm. And now, uh, yeah, from the beginning of of. Uh, 
the preparation for the Euro, uh, you saw that that it's not easy going, and then they had some problems, and yeah, yeah, they they have to look to to go out of that, mm. and the best thing would would be a. a a win in, in Dublin. Yeah, you did mention that this is a must-win game for Austria. Are the press yeah. and the fans in your country, are they surprised by how poorly Austria have started this campaign and how few points they have picked up? Oh, the, I, I think that the fans have not so, so high expectations. Um, they are hoping um, that, that we can win, but the disappointment was the Euro. Mm. And after that uh, came the... the uh, qualify for the World Cup and Austria struggled and now we are four points behind and um, I think uh, everyone uh, is able to read the table and to, to know what uh, should happen so the fans are not expecting too much and uh, yeah they're in a good mood and optimistic uh, because yeah you have to be realistic yeah if we won't win in Dublin, it's it's for us, uh, I think, uh, all over. Yeah, I think it might be with four points uh, between the sides. And I think only four games left after that. May I ask you about David Alaba? He would be probably the most recognisable yeah. name in the Austrian team uh, to the casual football fan as he's, as he's such an important part of the Bayern Munich team. How is he viewed in Austria? My My impression of it from over here is that he's the star player, but... He hasn't really delivered for Austria in the way that he has for Bayern Munich. Is that yeah. a fair comment? Uh, yes, that's right. Because uh, we have uh, a long time uh, discussion about his position. Yeah, we uh, mm. some people say uh, he's a world-class left defender at Bayern Munich. Why doesn't he play left defender in the Austrian team? Um, Every press conference, you have the questions and the, and, and the discussions. Marcel Koller says uh, he's so important in the center mid- midfield, and uh, that depends of the alternatives. So mm. uh, Alaba is the star of the of the team, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, perhaps he. Had uh, during the Euro not really good games, and uh, I think that that was the discussion in in our country. Yeah, is there a lot of pressure on Alaba to perform from the Austrian media? Yes, and now more than ever because uh, Anatovic is missing. So I think that uh, it could be a crucial game for him personally mm. that uh, he could show. Uh, how important he is. If he managed that, um, everything can change. But uh, there's a lot of respect for Oliver, but people are hoping that he is more and more the decision man. Huh? Yeah, and is, the... is he likely to play at left back in Dublin or will he be in the midfield? Uh, I think that uh, he will play in midfield because... Uh, we we have not a left defender left, yeah. so I think that Collar um, has to play with three f- defenders with uh, Brodel in in the center and Dragovic and Hinteregger, and then six people in the midfield. Oh, right. One of them Alaba. Okay, <laughs> be a busy busy midfield. So, um, yeah. So you're coming to the game. Are you looking forward to your trip to Dublin? Yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. I, I've never been to Dublin. I've heard very nice stories and yeah. that it's a beautiful town. And uh, I come. I'm coming to Dublin on Friday, and uh, yeah, it will be a great stay, a great game, a very close game. I think so. Very hard game, and uh, it's very important. So. I'm looking forward. Yeah, and I think from a previous correspondence, you did out yourself as a big U2 fan. Is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in in July, I'm coming back with my brother to the U2 concert in Croke Park. Oh, great! <laughs> um, there's a strange yeah. there's a strange thing in Ireland where uh, 
A lot of Irish people do say that they don't really like Bono and U2, uh, but then uh, okay. they'll, they'll play a three nights at Croke Park and they'll sell every ticket in 10 minutes. So I don't think we hate them that much. Um, <laughs> so that's one thing to look forward to, Alexander. The other thing uh, before that to look forward to is the game itself. Uh, how do you see it going? What's your prediction for the Republic of Ireland against Austria? Oh, it's very difficult to predict, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think Austria is able to win. Uh, I think it will be a draw, the worst okay. case for Austria. <laughs> but I'm hoping, I, I'm hoping uh, that that uh, we can make the three points. And uh, if Wales win, uh, wins against Serbia, then you have four teams within one point, and yeah, that would be. A wonderful rest of the of the qualifier, no? Yeah. Good night, Vienna. Uh, Alexander Stretchy, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. See you soon. So there's Alexander. Uh, good news for Ireland is the fact that Austria all over the shop. Uh, no strikers who score goals. Yeah, I mean this boy Janko, formerly of Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, a man who I won't forget. I backed as the top scorer of your 2016 so did I. under the advice of 442 magazine. Oh right, I, uh, I don't think my advice. I don't think I don't think he scored a single goal. He, he did might not have register. One. He did he not did, register. He let us down badly. Yeah, he's out, which is a blow to them because, as you mentioned, there, Gav, they only have three strikers left now in their squad. Uh, Twelve caps between them, zero goals. Mm. What better place to break your duck <laughs> than the Aviva Stadium? So it'll be likely to be three at the back for Austria because they've almost no left backs. Kevin Wimmer might play as like a left. A left-sided uh, centre-back, although uh, Alexander doesn't think he'll make the starting team. Alexander maintains that they will play six in midfield. Gav. Yes, one of them, David Alaba, with uh, our mate Burgstaller, Burgstaller uh, leading the line. Uh, uh, he's, a kind of, he's a physical presence, quite like quite like Mark Yanko. Yeah, you're high on this guy, right? Uh, answer me this: What's the point of playing six in midfield against Ireland when we don't play <laughs> ball in midfield whatsoever? Um, it's just what what you're doing by playing six in midfield against Ireland is offering us the opportunity to bypass more of your players. Yeah, I suppose. But then under that principle, I mean, that Trapattoni's team might have you know, beaten Spain at the, at the Euros in 2012. The fact that they're all little midfielders. You're dead and we right. knocked it over them. We actually, well, we did that once and then they got the ball back and we realised, oh, we, uh, we can't actually get it back again. I oh. will never oh forget. I was in Vancouver for those uh, Euros mm. and uh, I remember reading Marca or Martha, okay. Marca online and translating an article about that Spain win and uh, they accused us of being a stone age football team oh, really? it stayed with me since honestly it actually haunted me it was like I watched that game with a load of Canadians you know and they saw all these Irish fans they were like wow you know you guys love your, your soccer and just to see us get hammered And but like the, to be so bad to yeah. be so 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 bad uh, it'll forever haunt me but uh, I, I digress actually on that Spain thing and I'll digress even further I thought he's kind of an insult at the Stone Age because they were quite re I mean they invented the wheel like that's a relatively revolutionary thing to do whereas Ireland were inventing nothing but mm. new ways to learn pain yeah I suppose it was more sort of uh, the Cretaceous period really if you wanted to go back that far you know the mass extinction that was as a, a comet or a meteor plunged into the Mexican soil or was it New Mexico, actually? How are you talking about your 2012 again? I'm talking about the extinction of the dinosaurs, Gav. I don't know oh, about right. you. Anyway, listen, Ireland-Austria. <laughs> yeah, let's get back on That point. United magazine seems pretty current now, Gav. <laughs> uh, Ireland-Austria. Who is going to play for Ireland in this game? Is Darren Randolph or is Kieran Westwood going to be in goal? I know Gav. who I'd play, Gavin. I would play Kieran Westwood. So would I. Because uh, my confidence in the fastest hands in Bray have been shaken by second the fact... Second fastest. The, the second fastest hands in Bray have been shaken by the fact that they've become... Um, the least dependable hands in Bray in the last couple of weeks. You're probably correct there, yeah. Uh, I suppose I can understand to an extent. Firstly, there's this weird, th weird thing now in football where managers are being overly loyal to goalkeepers. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, Sergio Romero starting Europa League final. I know he kept a clean sheet, but was largely untroubled and I maintain should not have played that game. Yeah. If, it's, if you're hanging your entire season on a game, please play your best goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest that this is our most important qualifier, just as the Wales game was the last time out. And you have to pick on form, I think. Like, Randolph, I know it was only a friend against Uruguay, but goalkeepers making mistakes in friendlies, I think, is a lot more serious than a defender making a, a mm. mistake in a friendly. Purely because, as you said, it's more of a continuation uh, to his struggles towards the end of the season. 
Um, but he did get dropped by West Ham. Having exactly, played most yeah. of the game as their number one, which, most season as their number one. Which is well, great, I mean, obviously. like he fought his way back into the team a third of the way through the season. Yeah. Adrian was dropped, and then Randolph gets dropped again. He's gone full circle. I here. mean, he conceded a, a, a goal directly from a corner against Sunderland. And yeah, this it was, was back their first in the rush goal of, in yeah. like a thousand and eighty minutes or something. Yeah. So I would start here in Westwood. I don't think Martin O'Neill is going to start here in Westwood. No, it will be Randolph, but I think we don't. Everyone would like to see Westwood get a go. It might, it might sound like we're being harsh on Randolph here. He's obviously performed very capably for Ireland, very well for Ireland. And like, yeah, I mean, I the, the converse is he's never let us down in a big game or a competitive game. No, I mean, I mean, but like, I just it, feel that think it, back to something will happen soon. The Euros against Sweden, he made this miraculous save from I think it was John O'Shea. Did it, yeah. or was it Shane Duffy who tried to put the ball into his own net? I don't know. Cl- no, Shane Duffy didn't play that game. Kieran Clark did. And he did score an own goal. Successfully Clark. put the ball did into he, his own net. Well, it possibly was Clark who was who was looking to, uh, to do that earlier. Yeah. But uh, like, so yeah, the argument is that Randolph has never let Ireland down. But who would you rather have in goal? I arguably the best goalkeeper in the championship, or. Darren Randolph, who isn't starting for a Premier League team. I know he started most of the season. It's a difficult one. I'd go with Westwood. I just think he's a better goalkeeper. I always have thought he was a better goalkeeper and mm. is just sort of kind of similar to Harry Arthur, has like missed a couple of opportunities to make a mark and yeah. and, and sort of uh, work his way into a team for sustained periods. Yeah, but I don't. I doubt we'll be seeing the three at the back that, um, that vandalised <laughs> the game in Mexico uh, that I stayed up half the night to watch yeah um, that was an error looking back mm. uh, so it'll probably be four at the back Cyrus Christie will replace James Coleman um, Stephen Ward will almost certainly be left back and then you're looking at the centre backs Kieran Clark is out so it'll probably be Duffy and Keogh Duffy I mean, and Keogh uh, I'd Kevin, like to see Kevin, Kevin Long, Long. It's, it's, too, I mean, it's, it's too soon for him um, like I mean we from what we've seen of O'Neill over the last sort of two and a half three years it is too soon for Long even though he, I thought he did very well against Uruguay Mm. Uh, so yeah like I mean the defence kind of picks itself yeah. unless you want to it be taking risks it looks weak though I mean it, it's obviously with Coleman and Christy I think is a decent lad but he's, he's very limited I think he, like he did score the other night but I think like he, even if he gets loads of space up the right wing I don't know what he's going to do with it really that was a cross as well like, um, I was goal. I mean there was a, it was a nice cross. disgraceful goalkeeping really yeah it was um, a really really nice cross yeah, but it was so, a cross nonetheless and then Duffy doesn't convince me really at all yeah uh, the man can't move he's not it's just his positioning seems like just he just seems to lose his head every now and again yeah well the uh, obvious uh, one was the French game and the Euros mm, where he uh, yeah. was on the first, second goal he was just randomly ran over to the left hand side near near to the left back position and got caught out then obviously got caught in the turn for uh, for the goal there was a horrible mix up with Kieran Clark in Moldova um, yeah obviously he got sent off against France as well he got sent off yeah sorry that's what I meant yeah. to say but um, like and the even in the Mexico game it wasn't all his fault because he was in that in that rabble of a three-man defence. I don't know what... I mean, what was the point of that Mexico game? That was such a stupid game. Whatever about Uruguay, I do think... I I can understand the merit of a friendly the week before a competitive game. It's a difficult thing to just go straight back into a competitive environment after a few weeks off or or even just a few weeks of training. But, like, the Mexico game was absurd. Uh, Duffy kind of reminds me of a man... He plays, like, a 38-year-old defender. Like all of a sudden now he's been caught out of position mm. and can't really move like he's just really immobile for a man of his age like he's just not athletic is what I'm saying basically I mean, it's not his fault you know he can't help that but yeah he wouldn't instill he wouldn't fill me with confidence yeah that said I mean if there, if this Bergsteller is the battering ram that Alexander thinks he is Duffy will often do quite well in the air up against him I mean who did Duffy came in for the Italy game of the Euros who did they have up front was it a big fella it was it. Uh, it wasn't Graziano Belle, was it? I don't know. I can't it remember. I just, I just remember him making a couple of great, great headed clearances. Sorry, that's real kind of back of my brain stuff. Sorry. No, that's that okay. wasn't re- really well thought out. Uh, in midfield, um, I mean, Glenn Whelan will probably play because he's contractually obliged to. Is, Is it time? Is it time for Glenn to to take his leave? It looks like he's actually going to leave Stoke now with Villa interest in the championship. Like, I mean, you'd have They've, to argue. They that. signed Darren Fletcher. Is he the man to get rid of him in Stoke midfield? Should I mean, Glenn it, 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 leave the Ireland midfield? Whelan has gotten a lot of praise over the last, I think, year for maintaining his place in Stoke's starting lineup, and yeah. it seems to be based on that that he starts for Ireland. Every which I have game. praised him for because I think that's, so, a, that's a very good thing to do. I mean, no, there's not is. many Irish players playing regularly in the Premier League. By the same token, and like it, the strange thing is, like if you look at like Mbula, who was brought in kind of to replace him, or yeah. like you know, you think this guy's going to kick on, and finally we won't have to depend on. A player as sort of immobile as Glenn Whelan, with the greatest mm. respect to Whelan. But he never really did, and, you know, Whelan sort of stuck around. But I just think if you're bringing in Darren Fletcher to replace 
Glenn Whelan, it probably doesn't say much for Whelan at this stage yeah. of his career. Uh, like Fletcher is obviously a very good player. Was mm. always a big, big game player for United, but part I, of a pathetic Scotland team. He's yes, but you know he's he's forty five percent of the player he was at United at this yeah. point. He's kind of winding down himself, so that wouldn't fill me with hope either. I I think to be honest, I think Whelan Whelan's role in the Ireland midfield now, if Arthur starts, is almost redundant because I think Arthur can do Whelan's job equally capably and obviously I, re- I really want Arthur, to, Arthur and Hendrick to play in like a sitting two and then Wes then Wes ahead of him with Robbie Brady on one side and James McLean on the other like you imagine they both be best on the left hand side but Brady did well on the right against Uruguay yeah so I think maybe keep Robbie there and then McLean um, the goal scoring machine cutting in from the mm. left wing that he's become uh, all in support of big John Walters who sat out training today but we understand that it's not a major issue so it's only no, he's just getting his, his head banded ready for the weekend <laughs> I'm fairly convinced <laughs> it's a strange thing right if you look at Arthur Hendrick and Wes in the centre it strikes you as being a tiny bit porous a tiny bit soft and yet for all Whelan's ability defensively and positioning and mm. the unseen things that he does supposedly and he does. I'm not. I'm not yeah. disputing that. But it, it, it's just been peddled a little, we too, can't, little we bit too we much. We haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the incident. Yeah. But like, Ireland are still extremely vulnerable through the middle anyway. W- yeah. With Glenn Whelan without him. Now I'm not saying sure we might as well just fucking abandon any sort of defence in the middle of the park. I'm just saying that I think Harry Arter can do it as well as Glenn Whelan. I think Harry Arter can do that. And as well. I think he just obviously everybody knows he provides a lot more in possession. And if you look, I mean, if you had a midfield of Harry Arter, Jeff Hendrick, because Arthur's presence allows Hendrick to roam a little bit. We saw that against yep. Uruguay. Now Hendrick was pushed further up in that game. He didn't have a great game, but he at least, he looked a little bit more like the Hendrick we saw last summer. But like, if you've a midfield of, of Arthur, Hendrick, and Wes Hulan, like, is there a chance, Gav, that we'll run right in this game, <laughs> yeah. where we'll just put eight past the Austrians, yeah. like in this eureka moment, like <laughs> an epiphanic, you know, wonderful <laughs> revolutionary period of Irish football where we get the ball yeah. down and play? Yeah. Uh, so it could with that, happen. With that in mind. Um, I'd suggest Lane Whelan will start in Ireland's midfield <laughs> on Sunday. Alongside alongside Harry Arter, I'd suggest. He'll play. He'll Jeff Hendrick is in a great form. I know he's not, but I just feel that O'Neill is is loyal to his men. I think Hefe might uh, might get the nod over Harry Arter. I think they should both oh, Jesus, play. I think, be a disastrous um, call. How can, you, how can you justify that? Not yeah, you, I personally. I can't, really, but, uh, you know, maybe it's unfair for us to sit here questioning Martin O'Neill. He's achieved. No, it's not so much more in the game than we are but, ah. hang on now a second okay. right what is Dennis O'Brien paying this man's wages for if we can't weigh in with our opinion <laughs> on his team selection this is our national team yeah. lest we forget it's our team I suppose this is our team hashtag I don't know I was going to say team of us um, no that's that's the wrong our team get double the odds on first goal scorer with Ladbrooks that's right, if you're winning first goal scorer scores in the opening 20 minutes of selected live matches, then Ladbrokes will double the odds. Available in Ladbrokes shops nationwide. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. Dunlewy.net uh, So, I mean, we've done our line up there. Yeah, so it's now time for you to make the Ladbrokes Better of the Week prediction. Uh, you have been by far the most successful at this endeavour than any of the rest of us. And this is our final uh, Better of the Week of the season. It is. Uh, so... I think it's fitting that it falls to you, and I think it is fitting that it falls upon the biggest Republic of Ireland qualifier since the last one. Uh, so, Gavin Casey, what is the Labrick's bet of the week? Well, I'm going to give you the odds first, Gavin, just to get okay. the appetite. Okay. Six to one, this bet is. Okay. Now, we talked about uh, one all at the start of the show, and I said it wasn't going to be one all. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go a little bit further than that and say, on Sunday, Ireland will draw nil all with Austria. <laughs> nil all. Said, yeah, I think it's going to be nil all. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's a what a note to end the dour end the podcast Absolutely season. Dour. Um, I'll tell you why. Okay, because because I think it's actually not going to be that dissimilar game to the Wales game. I think for some reason, mentally, Ireland aren't ready to surge to the top of a qualification group and really hold. This is something I wanted to raise because it's interesting. And if you listen to last week's podcast, which I assume that you have, um, I talked to Sean St. Ledger about this. And I did the, actually, the yeah. difference, the different mindset that Ireland are in now, because if you turn your back to turn your mind back to the year 2016 qualifying, uh, we played this game against Scotland and we needed kind of win to keep in touch with the three teams above mm-hmm. us. Uh, we actually drew and then there was like a balloon deflating in the Aviva because ah, oh, that's it now. Yeah. And then 
Georgia, to be fair to them. Shock, oh. shock the Scots. Georgia, and, always and we on my somehow, mind. By the way, we somehow beat Germany. We did That happened. We did, um, yeah. So we catapulted ourselves back into it. So we're usually in the position where we're chasing the, this game and the group to kind of cling onto the coattails of those above us. The, with the Wales game and this game, we have the opportunity to actually kill off an opponent. So um, we have a bit more margin for error. So... I wonder I how that affects us. Like, we I didn't think really it affects, I create think it much against Wales. No, and I think it affects us probably detrimentally in the huh. sense that we haven't been in this position before. Yeah. I don't think these particular players and their group mentality is ready to kick on properly. Yeah. Uh, I think we kind of saw that against Wales a little bit. As soon as they had it even remotely in, in their minds, subconsciously even, that a draw would be a good result, they played for a draw. Now, I understand there was a huge number of injuries and you've got Gareth Bell playing for Wales. He came close a couple of times. That's going to scare you into sitting back a little bit, presumably. But I don't think it's going to be that different this weekend. I don't think we're going to see Ireland going gung-ho the way they did occasionally against Uruguay when there was nothing on the line. And and the shame is that they showed in the Uruguay game that they can actually attack Mm. at pace and, and quite wonderfully at times. But this time it's going to be like there, there is so much on the line here. See... A draw against Austria sort of almost maintains that cushion a little bit, or at least it keeps one competitor at bay. Martin O'Neill has said that, that if we can keep the four-point differential between ourselves and Austria, it's not the worst thing in the world. And there you go. But like that's if a manager is saying that publicly, yeah. what's he saying to his players? Like, lads, hang on for dear fucking life. Yeah. You know, like I just he, don't think Martin we're going to... Martin O'Neill always says, oh, look, it's a game we want to win, we'll go out to win it. But a draw wouldn't be the Think worst about thing it in from the world. And he's, like, he's right. And then we can, if we do get a draw, it's not the worst thing in the world. We can sit back and we can watch Serbia-Wales, which kicks off at 7.45, I think, that I evening. I believe so. Um, but I, I just think... So if Serbia can do a job in Wales for us there. Yeah. I'm not going... I'm not going to shoot out with to, Serbia for the lead. Like, I won't go... I'm not sort of viewing this, like, historically as if somehow the Irish people are mentally feeble or whatever. What I'm talking about is this particular squad and very recent history. When we've needed to win, a draw has sometimes, like, done us. And... We don't need to win this time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, like, we've, we've needed to win games and actually played out draws mm. in the past in, in the Euro 2016 qualifying, as you mentioned there. This time, we we kind of only need a draw. Like, I mean, obviously, ideally, you want to win, but, like, it's not as dire or desperate a situation. And therefore, I don't think they're going to necessarily take too many chances to yeah. win this game. I hope I'm proven wrong. Like, a few times, I think, in this campaign, they've threatened to actually move into this next stage yeah. of becoming a very competent force again, uh, which even during the Euros, you can't really say we were. You know, there was there was a lot of, like, spirit and mm. a fantastic result against Italy, but it was still very much hang on to the coattails and see what happens. Yeah. Like, this time, it's like we've threatened to kind of... The win in Austria, like, that should be a watershed moment. Like, that was our first win against a, a top-tier nation and a lot... An awfully long time uh, think, in, a, in yeah. a competitive game and away from home. I think like if you if you exclude teams from Britain, it's first time since like 1968 or something. 60, yeah, it was like 58 or 68. Yeah, it's madness, it's incredible. But it's proof that we need to play ways. If we want to score a goal and create a good chance, we need to play away England. But is it then like what like do they start without ways, which I believe they will? Oh, like Christ. Gave, no, you need to play as much of the game. No, as but I think they're going to bring them on. Yeah, like, uh, they should start them. I think they'll play roughly the same team, if not the same team at least from the midfield upwards as started against Uruguay mm. and bring ways on for the last 20 minutes if we're in trouble or if we you know if we're in control of the game and I think I think then you replace Hendrick with Wes and see what happens and like if there's every chance if it's nil all at that point and Wes comes on for Jeff Hendrick like we we might create that one chance and yeah big John yeah so Better of the week. Nil all. Nil all at Nil 6 all to 1. Yep. Um, you and I have the pleasure of being together in this office for this game. Uh, so do follow Bolt on will will be the best place to uh, to follow this Ireland game. Yeah, well, I mean, watch it on RT if you want, but uh, do come to us for the best of the reaction. Yeah, Gav, I'm just going to begs it now that I'm not doing player ratings. Um, I'll do player ratings, I think. Did I do them after the last Archer game? I think I might have. I don't know. Yeah. No. Anyway, we, can, we, can ex- we can continue this conversation. Outside of podcast areas. At Ladbrokes, if one team lets you down on your ACA of five teams or more, you'll get your money back as a free bet up to 25 euro. Ladbrokes, online, mobile, and in shop. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Dunlouis.net. Yeah, uh, that's, that's it. Yeah, that that's is it for, it for yeah, today and indeed the season. And indeed the season, yeah. Well, listen. Hopefully Ireland get the job done and yeah. we can finish on a on a high as opposed to this relatively dire note talking about <laughs> player ratings <laughs> and, and they'll all draw <laughs> and, and bringing Wes off the bench. Yeah, listen, thanks a million for for 
tuning in throughout the course of the yes. season. Yes, uh, thank you to all the guests who answered uh, their phones and come on to this to come on to this here podcast. Special thanks to Stephen Addis and Richie Sadler who actually came into studio. Wow, great which man was there. going far beyond uh, the line of duty. Yeah, absolutely. And a massive thank you as well to Ladbrokes who've mm-hmm. sponsored the podcast for the entire season. It's been a pleasure working with them and hopefully we'll be back next year with them again but sure we'll be back one way or another we will indeed uh, we should thank uh, Donnie and Mikey who aren't here um, oh well, yeah Donnie's Mikey. next door uh, Mikey is injured he, yeah, uh, Mikey as knee. the Americans have put it he's out with the knee mm. uh, Mikey obviously put in some stellar work throughout the season your regular host Mikey that is uh, yeah. who else has been on Gav O'Callaghan is next Gav door Gav O'Callaghan David Kent O'Kane Darren Dutchie Holland all had a go at the bet of the week some were successful some were not none returned um, <laughs> it's my uh, it's my iron rule over this podcast um, I think Gav actually got it right as well Gav O'Callaghan Gav O'Callaghan I think it was the most successful bet it was like a, he predicted like a correct score and the first goal score or something uh, I, I'm, I, I had like a 14 class. to 1 shot a couple of weeks ago oh the treble with Tranmere with Tranmere yeah, yeah I actually forgot to check the Tranmere that was, that was one of the that was one of the better days in this in this podcast yeah listen thanks a mil uh, yeah. until possibly august next season anyway mm-hmm. have a good summer enjoy the confederations cup oh, oh. and until next time take it easy this is the end beautiful friend this is the end my